1: On this episode of Drinks with Binks we sit down with my good friend and ESPN sideline reporter Molly McGrath. You've seen her on the college football sidelines, college hoops, XFL, college softball, everything. But right now she's doing nothing because there are no live sports. But that hasn't stopped her from being a little creative with getting some content there on her doggos as well as behind the scenes on what it was like to report on Tua Tunga Viola's season ending injury. don't want to miss it. We are having a couple of brewskis for the broskis. Hey guys, welcome on in to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. Yeah, you know me. We are drinking. We are banking from home as everyone who is watching this right now is at home because we are all doing our part to stay in and stay safe during a very unprecedented time with coronavirus around the world. So we don't want to stop having fun and making fun content for you guys while we're all trying to figure out our new norm. We're all in this together. And I am so excited today to bring on a guest who is one of my good friends. We go way back to the the one for fun fox sports one she's now a big time silent reporter on espn the one and only molly mcgrath
2: molly thanks for joining me here today you. thanks for having me on i wish it could be in person but i know you know we're we're changing with the times and how cool to go from what was it like 2013 you and i were starting our first national jobs together we shared a dressing room yeah. Um, full of full of random like clips of hair and bronzes yes. everywhere and we got to watch each other grow and progress through our careers and I'm just such a big fan of yours and this show has been so much fun to watch oh. so I'm so honored that you're having me on thank you
1: you are so sweet it has been also such <laughs> a joy watching you now rise the ranks at ESPN killing it on the sidelines and you've done such a good job of being So fun, if I can say that, like, that's not a great word to describe it. But like you get in the crowds, you bring the food, you show people like a side that for me, as someone who has a short attention span and who likes to see funny, weird things, like you do a really good job of that, as well as breaking news. And you did do a huge story this year that we're going to get to in a Mm -hmm. second. But Mm -hmm. you are a sideline reporter in Seattle. You were at Justin Herbert's pro day when the whole world stopped pretty much. What has quarantine been like for you as a sideline reporter?
2: I mean, if there aren't events and there aren't games, I'm not working. So it's kind of surreal because I don't know when I'm going to work again. Um, You know, I don't have some kind of amazing looking bookshelf behind me and I'm doing hits from home for NFL Live or things like that, which is awesome for the studio people. And they've done such a good job in our studios of adapting and adjusting to what the times have called for. But first and foremost, I'm a sideline reporter. So if there are no games, I'm not working. And I was in the middle, as you said, of uh, covering Justin Herbert's pro day. So uh, I, don't, I don't even know what day it is, but it was maybe two, three weeks, two weeks ago or so. Um, it was on a Wednesday, the NBA suspended their season. That was the first domino to fall when the NBA did that. Everyone else had to react. The next day was a Thursday. That was the day I was at Justin Herbert's Pro Day. And I'm watching, I remember exactly where I was and how I felt when I was watching SportsCenter that day saying, uh, this seems pretty historic. Everything is being canceled. It Mm -hmm. seems like the world stopped. You know, that day, because at like, you know, March Madness was canceled, all the conferences yeah. were canceled, it all kind of happened. It was a wild 24 to 48 hours. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is unprecedented. I've never lived through something like this. And now in quarantine, I've never lived in a situation where I'm stuck in my house you know, like I live my so life. You live the opposite life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I usually never get to be home at one point in February. Um, Max pointed, my husband pointed this out to me because he does my expenses because he's literally an angel. And he's like, in the month of February, during a 13 day span, you were gone for 11 days. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Cause I was covering the yeah. NFL and I was covering college basketball and I was traveling right. to both and trying to, You know do both so i'm used to being home for a day and then leaving this is easily the most amount of time i've ever spent with my husband i think in our relationship because usually it is in normal life like he's going to work okay i'll see you later i'm going to travel we are literally just stuck together in this house which it's gone really well um we've gotten into a good rhythm and a good schedule of things but it it is surreal i don't have one of those jobs where i can work from home I'm literally just like doing yoga every day and hoping that sports come back.
1: Yeah, and you know what else you're gonna be doing is, we forgot the best part, we're gonna be drinking. And let's see what you got.
2: What What do we got here? Okay, so this is a local um, Pacific Northwest beer from Astoria, Oregon, Fort George, City of Dreams. It is my favorite beer maybe ever. Let's crack this bad boy. And it's, um, I have my Celtics glass. Nice. It's a hazy. It's a hazy New England style IPA. Okay, and great. It's it's kind of cloudy. It's like it's not bitter at all, but it's a heavier kind of beer, uh, in the sense where it's kind of like drinking a milkshake. Call it a beer shake, and it's just delicious.
1: That so. sounds great. I well, I thought mm-hmm. I would uh, bring a. This is a <sighs> bud heavy. It is a delicacy of um, degenerates everywhere, including myself. And I wanted to get what you had, but, you know, in the spirit of staying at home, I was like, you should stay home, Julie. And also it was going to be difficult because there's not, you know, very interesting beer places aren't open necessarily right now as an essential service, unfortunately. But okay, let's uh, let's toast um, what do you want to toast to, Molly? What's good, what's good going on right now?
2: Um, I would love to toast to you, to no. our friendship, the fact that we've been friends for so long. We've seen each other through um, changes in our careers, getting different jobs, losing jobs, relationships. We've seen each other through some stuff. So this is to you and the fact that you're still working from home and you're putting on makeup <laughs> maybe every day and I respect nope. it. So cheers to Hi,
1: ah,
2: Well, Molly, thank you. Cheers Yay. to you. Um, this is awesome. Thanks for giving me an excuse to drink early today. I don't feel so bad about it. By the way, I'm on the West Coast. and so This mm-hmm. is what, like noon? <laughs> I
1: know. When we were planning this, I'm like, let's try to go later in the day so that she's not drinking at like 10 a.m. her time, which we've had people on the show drink early in the morning. But that's New York City. That's the only thing you do here. And now this is the only right. thing you do in quarantine. That's like My boyfriend and I crushed two bottles of white wine like, on Sunday afternoon after we drank already every other day. We were like, okay, I guess this is the new us right now. So on that <laughs> note, um, and also a funny story for uh, Molly's husband that she mentioned, Max, I kind of like basically helped them get together because she was trying, short story, she was trying to set him up with me and I was like, nope, you guys are in love with one another and then they... And then my, I push them towards one another.
2: (laughs) I think, like, you need to get credit for that. I think the world needs to know this story because Max will forever be indebted to you, and you're like his favorite person ever because you could maybe be the reason why we're married right now. That's like, I think I am. I think, but you, you seriously could be
1: exactly it. Yeah. (laughs) So, So. Long- wait, wait, wait. Or- we'll get in we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We have to take oh, a okay. quick out though. Um okay. we have to take a, a little break for some Bevies, but we'll be back with a whole lot more on drinks and things from Volume Grass. All right, guys, welcome on back to Drinks With Thanks. I'm JSP. We got Molly McGrath from ESPN. We're drinking some beer. She's got some cool stuff from Pacific Northwest. I got some Bud Heavy. Uh, no, we love, we love Anheuser-Busch. We love every we love every drink in the entire world on Drinks With Thanks. Um, Molly, you had a funny video you put up on Twitter from your quarantine of doing play-by-play of your dogs, Stuart and Matthew, and that has become... Um, it kind of, like, gained a lot of traction and people started doing that kind of stuff. What has been... Um, what's been sort of your take on like now doing creating content maybe with even just your daily life in the quarantine?
2: I think um, people are craving content right now. Like I said that to you earlier when we were texting, people are craving content. People are so bored. There's only so much Netflix you can watch. We're missing sports so much and I think people just want something to laugh and smile at because these are such serious unprecedented times. So I came up with the idea one morning um, when I was feeding my dogs and they literally just like swallow it whole. And it's almost a race to see who can finish first and who can lick the other dog's hole first. Um, And I was like, you know what? This is kind of like a competition. I'm missing sports. I'm missing competition. I should like call play by play of this tomorrow when the dogs have breakfast. And I was looking online and there was a broadcaster in the UK, a, a football, you know, like a soccer broadcaster, who was doing play-by-play of everyday life. There were people walking around in a park and he was doing this hilarious. I love concert. that. I love it. So I was looking for all different videos of that because I thought it was so fun. and um, So like people are craving that kind of thing right now. So I called play-by-play of my dogs eating their food, Stuart Matthew. It was like terrible. I, I'm obviously not a play-by-play. You were good. Coach. You're really good, like, by the way. Is it that I was nervous. I was like, Oh, I have to get this right. Like only one take because of the dot. Like I, can't I thought about it. I was bed. like, did
1: she get this? Like did that, yeah, I was like, it had to be one take. She couldn't mm-hmm. have filmed it. And then also d- did like a voiceover, but you were good. Cause I've been trying to do some play by play of just like people on the streets as I police the streets. And I, I get tongue tied. I'm like, I, uh, well, uh, like, obviously that's why I wouldn't be a good play by play person, but you were great. You got, you got the skills.
2: Thank you. Well, okay, so that went well because it's a natural competition. Um, I tr- actually tried this morning to do a little bit of play-by-play of them playing tug-of-war, like who was going to get the teddy bear. And it was so brutal. I'm never going to post it. And it was like a boom goes to dynamite <laughs> kind of, kind of moment where I was like, I'm exposing myself as a terrible person at my job. There's no way no, I'm posting it. So you're not a
1: play-by-play person. So I think it'd be no. funny and be like, you gotta put up a second uh, iteration of, of uh, Stu and Matthew going at each other, okay? Because they Stewie, he's he was pretty pretty good on that bull licking. He got it. Um, he's so intense. I know. Okay, so um, you mentioned that for sideline reporting obviously you're not working right now and like you can't work from home um by the way i have the best job in the world i'm literally doing what we would do in our spare time don't tell my bosses uh but still getting paid to do what i'm doing with everyone um but the fact is like have you thought about if for whatever reason you couldn't be a sideline reporter again what would you
2: be oh my gosh um i've thought about this a lot because our industry is a little volatile in a sense where like, what if I don't get my contract renewed? What if I don't get this dream job that I want? And so I've tried to think of, you know, what else I would want to do if it wasn't sports, because if I wasn't a sideline reporter, I'd obviously try to be um, a host or to have my own show. Yeah, like, we you have, have a lot of literally experience. A dream. Yeah, exactly. And like your job is a dream. You get to drink and interview people and like, tell their stories and have Even fun. I need a liver
1: transplant though. That's only the <laughs> only downside of this.
2: You're AA. Canadian. You were built with a liver of steel. You're fine. You're Canadian. I'm trying to good. tell my
1: boyfriend that like my Canadianness has not helped the fact that like, I, you know, being around people and you know, this firsthand experience that like four, five drinks to me is like a walk in the park and like to not, that's not
2: everyone's <laughs> style. <laughs> when i used to go out with you in los angeles back in the day back in the fox sports one days i'm the kind of person where i like to match people drink for drink i'm like oh yeah i'll get another whenever i did that with you i would get so drunk and i would like go home and get sick and you were fine I the know. next day you were like up early posting pictures from the beach like it was nothing to you yeah. um okay but back <laughs> to the question
1: i have a, I have <laughs> a great influence on you
2: <laughs> I know. I digress. Um, so, if yeah. I weren't to be a part of a, a show, um, in sports, I don't, I would, okay. I would either want to do an HGTV show because I love that shit. It's so entertaining. It's so much fun. So I'd want to be on an HGTV show, host something like that, or I would just be a crazy dog lady. Like, I think I would just rescue all the, I like RDM oh. obviously, But I would just rescue all the dogs and like have a dog sanctuary and just, I would want to um, be a dog sitter and a dog walker and do something like that with animals. And I've told that to Max before, like at some point when I'm retired, I want to work with animals. Like I'm just so passionate about that and just like help save animals. My two dogs are rescues and just to see how far they've come. Stuart, I got him as a baby. I literally feel like I birthed him. He's my child. Matthew, our second dog that we got like a couple years ago was a, kind of a problem dog where he tried to like fight every dog he ever saw. And he was really timid and scared and just to watch him progress and the way that he like loves us and now loves Stuart, his brother. And I just I that's the kind of thing that makes me feel happy and fulfilled. So something with animals, if it weren't to be something with TV, I think
1: that would be nice like yeah even just as you mentioned in retirement you could have some sort of like nice dog sanctuary maybe you and Keith Olbermann could like pair up and and save all the dogs in the world um those are great and yeah I think it is really right now forcing us like what else would we do and also just Mm -hmm. sort of like I read this great article where the idea is like we're so go 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 with our careers the whole time and then right now it's like we can't really be like we're trying to just like survive basically like do I have Mm -hmm. enough money to keep going? Like, cause some jobs aren't paying if they're freelance jobs. Like, do I have, um, like, my is my family. Okay. Like that, like things that are usually are like, Oh, you know, how can I get this? How can I do this? Keep going to my ultimate goals. And then now it's like, okay, kind of like just survive right now, even though it's not like we're surviving, Mm -hmm. like as in survivor and like, Oh my gosh, this is dog eat dog. It's like, (laughs) how do we just like stay okay right now? Um, because it's really messed up and, Luckily enough, we're still getting paid because I know a lot of people are, I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully by the time this airs, like I'm still getting paid um, because <laughs> you never know in like this day and age. But um, yeah, so that is that is very, very interesting insight. And I want to find out though more, you've had some, some wild experiences as a sideline reporter, especially even this year. And mm-hmm. including one of the biggest names in college football, you were on the sideline when – Something very important happened to him. We'll have that and more coming up on the next segment of Drinks with Banks. Hey guys, welcome back into Drinks with Banks. I'm Julie Stewart Banks. We are working from home slash wasted from home. We got Molly McGrath from ESPN on, and Molly. You do college football, college basketball, softball, XFL, everything. Tell me about when you were on the sideline when Tua Tunga Viola had his season-ending injury this year.
2: Um, That was, I think, one of the biggest moments that I've ever witnessed in my career. There are some big things. You know, when things happen, you have instincts like, oh, this is a big moment. I need to hustle to get this story. That was one of those moments that um, you didn't want to see happen. And it was heartbreaking because I love him as an athlete. Like he's one of the most incredible athletes. Um, but I, I knew it was a big story. And while giving him space and respect for for him and his family, I also knew I needed to, to get the information that everyone was wondering because, you know, it was um, – It it, it was huge at the time. So he's, it was against Mississippi State in Starkville. Um, It's, you know, a couple minutes left before halftime. And they're up huge. They're up big. And we see the backup warming up. And I'm thinking, okay, the backup's going to go in. And I'm telling my producer, when you notice things on the sidelines, you tell your producers they can get get a shot of it. The backup, Mac Jones, is warming up. I think Tua's coming out. Tua has shaken everyone's hand on the sideline. He's coming out of this game. Tua goes back in. We're all shocked. First play of coming back in, he goes down and gets injured. I was on the opposite sideline from the injury at that point. I literally sprinted, like ran to the sideline closest to where he was so I could get a different vantage point. And, you know, the things that I saw and heard and felt uh, were heartbreaking. I mean, this invincible athlete is sobbing, crying in pain. And he had to be picked up and put onto a cart. He was then put on the cart and they drove the cart down the, um, you know, kind of the side of the field to an x-ray room. And I knew that the x-ray room was there. That's one of the things when you're covering a game or an event, you need to know, okay, where's the locker room? Where's the x-ray room? Where's the ambulance in case anyone needs to be taken mm-hmm. out in an ambulance. So I knew he was going to the x-ray room. And so I, sprinted literally the length of the field behind the cart if you look back on the broadcast you can literally see me sprinting behind in a red coat like flailing in the wind because I knew the moment that he got off the cart was going to be the most crucial moment because I needed to see if he was going to be able to support his own weight on that injured leg because we at that point we could tell it was a leg injury we weren't sure he had just had ankle surgery earlier that season um, so when it came time to bring him off the cart, he couldn't get off on his own. He had to be picked up and carried. And I spoke to someone with the team, um, with a relationship that I had created before the game. And they told me that it wasn't his ankle that everyone thought it was. It was his hip mm, and he was getting wow. x on his hip. And, um, all of that happened. I'm out of breath. They come out of break. They throw it down to me and I'm trying to describe it. In a way that shows the severity of the situation, um, but is also um, respectful of Tua, but it was a really big, it was a big moment, you know, and and you know, Julie, you've been on the sidelines before when those big moments happen, you kind of just black out and you react. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of reacting. So. I gave the report that it was his hip, not his ankle. And then I have to sprint to the other end of the field because it's halftime. By the time I do that report, it's just about halftime. And so I think, okay, I'm about to interview one of the most legendary coaches of our time, Nick Saban, about why he left his athlete in the game and about this injury. Um, So I remember thinking, I need to ask my questions very carefully here. And so the first question, I think, was an open-ended, what can you tell us about Tua's condition? Something of that sort. And he told us it was his hip. He he verified that information that I had. And he was really open about it. He he was surprisingly calm and very open. And the second question was the harder one because you want to ask, why did you leave him in the game? But you don't want to put someone on the defensive. You don't want to say... Is this your fault? Like you don't want to assign any blame because in that situation there is no blame to assign. It was a freak accident, and so instead I said, "Coach, we saw Max Jones warming up. Did Tua lobby to stay in? Essentially, was it Tua's decision? Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Tua's decision or was it yours?" And he said, "No, Tua didn't lobby to stay in. It was on me. I wow. decided to go through two minutes And he admitted that it was his decision. Um, So that was one of those moments that you walk away at the end of the day feeling satisfied that you covered it in the right way and you did your job. But I also couldn't sleep that night and I felt sick in my stomach because I knew that I had covered the end of this. That was the last time we saw him in that uniform, like the end of this kid's college career. Um, Luckily, he looks great now. He's posted some videos of him working out, and it looks like that hip isn't gonna be an issue, and he's gonna go on, no doubt, to have a very long, successful NFL career. But that was definitely one of the moments of my career that felt surreal, and it was more instinctual than anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to be able to be in that moment, you got information that no one else had and then being able to deliver it on a national platform. When you mention, you're out of breath, you're like just running on fumes, you the adrenaline overload, and then trying to come down off of that afterward because it is an incredible career moment, but it's also someone else's livelihood right so it's like so right. many emotions at once but you did such a great job with it and as you mentioned it's like being in you 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 never know when these moments could happen like anywhere when mm-hmm. you're working a game um and you worked some other games on the sideline for the XFL i want to ask you a quick question we don't have a whole lot of time when we return on drinks and things after this timeout
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild, we're silly, we have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it.
1: All right, we've had an awesome time here with Molly McGrath on Drinks and Things, Work From Home, Wasted From Home Edition. Molly, we don't have a lot of time left, but where can we see you next? Like, what are you doing next? I literally don't know.
2: When events come back, I will be back on TV. um, Hopefully college football season goes forward as scheduled. Um, In the meantime I'm doing different discussions with other sideline reporters that we have from ESPN. You'll see me in little video things trying to create content here and there but um, on actual TV I have no idea and that is why I'm drinking at noon on a weekday. So thank you for giving me an experience. That is a very
1: good reason to be doing that and (laughs) I also put on clothes and makeup today too so you gave me a reason to get out of that as well. Uh, Thank you so much, Molly McGrath. You can follow her on twitter and instagram and watch for her on the sidelines as well we're gonna have more content with her exclusively on social so don't go anywhere with that and make sure you watch drinks with Things friday 8 p.m fubosportsnetwork.com for free fubo tv i usually just blitz so many different social clips everywhere and stay safe and keep drinking whatever drink you may like to drink like what you're hearing check out drinks with banks on fubo sports network every friday night at 8pm stream it on the fubo tv app roku samsung tv and more oh and don't forget it's byob sorry startup life all right guys welcome on into drinks with banks work from home wasted from home after hours we wanted to talk with molly even more and so we are because we we can do whatever the fuck we want right now in the cute quarantine world we are in. And one of the stories you brought up was the fact that your your husband, Max, who are you you are now with all the time because you're not traveling for sideline reporting. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that you guys met, well, you guys knew one another for when you were younger and in college and whatnot. But I, I kind of like was a bit of a Cupid in a way uh, to pat yeah. myself on the back,
2: yes. Cheers. Cheers to share yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. I just wanted to tell everyone I don't, I don't know if I would be married to my husband if it weren't for you, Julie. Like, maybe we would, we would probably, like, find our way to each other. That's, like, such a big, grandiose statement, by the way. I know. But, um, <laughs> That's wild. Like, you were the first person that made me see him as more than a friend. So I was friends with my now-husband, Max, for... Nearly 10 years before we ever started dating, um, he was in L.A. for work and texted me last minute and said, hey, I'm in L.A. tonight. Um, We'd love to get together if you're around. And you and I had plans to get dinner. And as I remember, you were getting like a two hour manicure. Yes, was, I was,
1: which I could running very running much day. use right now.
2: <laughs> you were running late to dinner because you're getting like a two hour million dollar manicure. Like, yeah, I was. All this stuff. Yeah. And, and so he texts me and says he's in town. I said, well, I'm getting dinner with my girlfriend, but she's running late. You should just come and join us. Just come crash. So he crashes dinner with us. And it was like a scene from The Bachelor where he, yeah. you and I are sitting on one side and he's sitting across from us and it was such a fun night we had such great conversation and he was like i remember seeing him thinking like wow he's such a catch he's such a good guy julie (laughs) with him and and like throughout my friendship with max i've like tried to set him up with all of my friends and they've all been like maybe i don't know and you looked at me and you were like are you crazy yeah i do yeah, I was
1: shocked. I'm, free. I was like, whoa, 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 like set him up with me, like no way, you guys. I could have been like ten thousand miles away at the dinner. It was like you were googly eyed for him. He was googly eyed for you, and that's why I was like, wait, set me up with him, like no. And I'm I thought so it was wonderful. Cool. You were trying to like, so you're, you know, you were like, yeah, you guys should hang out this weekend or something. And I remember him at your at your wedding the day after in the pool, being like, you know, Julie's great and all, but like. I'm in love. I was in love with Molly at the time, too. I'm like, I also helped just, like, (laughs) this, you know, (laughs) a nice little juxtaposition, like, yes, this is the rest of the world, and this is the girl you obviously love, which was um, great, though, that you guys, like, it was so perfect. And then as soon as that happened, you guys were like, all right, game on, basically.
2: Yeah, well, you gave me the courage to go to one of my, like, closer guy friends and you gave me an out, I was able to text, I texted him because that's the world we live in now. And I said, Julie made a comment about, um, I don't know, like I tried to set you guys up and he said that like, you're in love with me. (laughs) Like, is that true? I said, is that true? And he was like, well, I mean, like, I don't know, like sort of like, I think, I think like I've always wondered and I was like, oh damn and uh then we went on a date a month later and the first night we went on a date we were like oh shit we're getting married and that was history so wow isn't that amazing oh that just gave
1: me shivers like okay this is wow that's amazing oh that's so cute oh man i
0: remember
1: saying no yeah i'm like (laughs) ah no he's mine (laughs) I see the way he looks at Molly like no I want him (laughs) that's amazing that is is such a great story and you guys are so cute together and you had one of the most fun weddings I've ever been to if I may say so um Mm -hmm. it was it was we we I played 12 18 holes of golf and got destroyed before then just getting more and more destroyed but you have a great family and friends that was a lot of fun and to pivot completely the other way uh with you were just doing the XFL which is great for sideline reporters. It's like you actually really get to 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 showcase like all your skills because you don't always get to do that. Um, what is one thing that you like? What was I guess what's one thing that stood out about it that you think from a sideline reporter standpoint you would want in the NFL, and maybe what's one thing that like you don't think would transfer over well?
2: Um, I so. It's interesting. I came onto the XFL sidelines a week late. Um, I watched week one as a fan. I became a part of the broadcast in week two because they needed me to fill in for uh, an open position after week one. And week one as a fan, I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, why am I not a part of this? This is electric. Like these interviews are so raw and real. This is so much fun. The access is unprecedented. It is a sideline reporter's dream. It really is. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, if the, if, it not if, when the XFL continues to catch on next season, I think it could revolutionize sideline reporting because it makes the sideline reporter a bigger voice in the broadcast. And it is an essential role that makes the XFL unique. So that part, I would love to bring over to college football and the NFL to have the sideline reporter be a more vital voice in the broadcast where it's getting information that other people can't get. So in the XFL, you're interviewing people right after a touchdown and you're getting that breathless, raw emotion. I don't know if the NFL and college football are going to allow something like that. But just to be able to um, report on the things that you overhear I think just using sideline reporters more can be really valuable. I think in, in the NFL and in college football, you can find your spots to maybe interview a coordinator, a coach, something like that, or even like the quarterback, when the defense is on the field, the quarterback, once he talks to his coordinator is sitting there. Like if, if time allows for it, you can ask a quick question and then get out of their way. Right. I, yeah. think, I, I think the NFL could stand to have a little more access, but college football, I know that um, that's overlorded by the coach, the head coach of the program, and they could say no to anything. That's why college football is so hard to cover. But I think it's something that could push college football to push the boundaries, to give a little bit more access in game, hmm. to make things exciting not only, but to also um, – give a, a voice to the athletes and let them kind of have a moment to shine. So yeah. I think there are certain things that we could bring into other, um, other leagues that I think could really work. The kickoff, the new kickoff with the XFL is something that could be brought in. Um, it's a, it's a new kickoff that helps guard against injuries. The players aren't going up a hundred miles an hour at each other. Instead, they're not able to start running until the ball is caught. Like right. Yeah. That, That's good. And, easily be added into the NFL and college football so Mm -hmm. it was so fun to be a part of it and honestly as a sideline reporter I've never felt more important so it was really cool oh that's
1: so great I know because it's as as obviously you know so well and my past experiences of just being like my last year I did sideline reporting I was just like really frustrated by the end I'm like I just never got on any broadcast like I know it depends on the producers and and it varied like from Fox to ESPN and, and beyond. And so I was like, Oh, I just felt like I felt like shit after like probably 90% of my broadcast. Cause I was like, I just don't do like, I cannot get on and soccer is different because mm-hmm. it was just like, not a lot of stoppage and play. But then I started doing like, Oh, I'll just like do these reports afterward and like film them. And then I'm like, it's so hard for all these sideline reporters. Like you guys work so hard to get, like you could do like 10 interviews for 10 minutes each and use and get even like you whittle it down to one thing per player and then you get like one of those things on air and it's like, Oh my God.
2: it's yeah. like So you get like two of all your prep and the interviews you do during the week. Cause I do tons of interviews during the week. You get maybe 5% of that in not, yeah. not even. And my thing this, this year, especially I changed my mindset. I said, I'm only going to do reports on stuff that there is no way my play by play or my analyst can give. If it's something that they know about or a story that they know about, I'm not even going to touch it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to give what the quarterback is saying to his offensive line right after he was sacked because no one else is right there and no one else has that access. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that makes it hard for a producer to say no to you because that's, that's access and things that no one else is hearing. Yeah. Changed my perspective in a sense, this past season. i so I, I used to go into games with like a ton of notes, and I was ready to go and I had all my stories lined up. I go into games with literally nothing now. And wow. I'm better at my job, and it's something that one of my producers, Josh Hoffman, um, really pushed me to do. He said, if you have any stories that you could tell me on Friday or if you have anything, that um, is even a little bit prefabricated, I don't want it and I'm not going to go Mm -hmm. to you anymore. And so I said, okay, I am (laughs) going to challenge myself. So I'd go into games with literally nothing and the stuff that I would get because I was listening, I was so hungry to get in the game because I had nothing, the stuff I got was gold. Like I imagine my favorite, one of my favorite reports from this season was um, during the Washington, Washington State Oregon game the quarterback Anthony Gordon is yelling at his team. They just converted a two point conversion. They're getting close. It's a, I think it's a one score game. And he's running up and down the sidelines saying, We're going to effing win this game. We're going to effing win this game. And he's running back and forth. He's so excited. He stops. He pukes everywhere. Oh, my God. And then he gets back up and he continues to scream like he didn't even register that he <laughs> he literally just vomited and kept screaming. And I said, "Oh my god, this is gold! This is so good for television!" And I'm going to report this. And it was one of those moments that I look back on and I'm like so proud because I was in the right place at the right time and I was paying attention because I just yes. had to.
1: So. That is incredible. Cool. Like watching that as a sideline reporter, be like, "Oh my gosh." come to mama. Like, this is exactly what I see. And you're, you're more perceptive, as you said, when you're like, okay, I got to get in. I got to get in the game. Boom, boom, boom. What's going on here? What's going on here? That's great. That's great advice. That's so exciting. It's like, you're getting ready. You're going in for battle. Not really, obviously. But you're going into the game, um, getting me pumped up. Not like I get I get pumped up in a different way these days to do something a little bit different. But that's what we're all doing is something a little bit different now. And guys, make sure... You can listen to the full podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts on Saturday morning with Molly McGrath on Drinks With Things as well. FuboSportsNetwork.com, Drinks With Things. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much, Molly. Cheers.
2: Bottom club.